welcome to Moonwise, a monthly podcast featuring conversations with women of power. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and in this episode, we bring you my conversation with Dr. Kate Sidney and Mandy Ashlock all about breast health. We talk about the anatomy of the breast and the importance of the lymphatic system, how to pick bras for health and comfort, how to do a self-breast massage, and what oils are easy to use, as well as nutrition tips for healthy breasts and even how to pick out safe deodorants. Before we begin, I want to share my gratitude for our newest Patreon subscribers, Sarah McKelvey and Anna Bulford. I'm so grateful for our growing Patreon community. We're getting very close to our monthly goal, and all of your support truly makes this show possible. Right now, I'm sharing a breast care guide that I created featuring many of the recommendations that are shared in this episode. You can check that out at www.patreon.com moonwise. Okay, on with our show. Dr. Kate Sidney is an acupuncturist, doctor, and herbalist who runs a practice called Tend Natural Health in Portland, Oregon. She's also the owner of a paleo cookie delivery business called Morsel Code Cookie Co., which recently debuted seed cycling cookies for women's health. She recently teamed up with her friend and colleague, Mandy Ashlock, who is a therapeutic massage and bodywork practitioner to create a course on breast health. Mandy has training in numerous healing modalities, including craniosacral therapy, holistic pelvic care, and pre- and postnatal massage. Amanda owns a practice in Northwest Portland called Earth Over Air and is a member of the Portland Wellness Collective. She's also completing an herbal studies program through the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine and beginning studies for licensing in acupuncture. Hi, Dr. Kate and Mandy. Thank you so much for joining me on the Moonwise podcast. I am so excited to talk with you both today. Hello. We're so excited to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. This is a topic that I've been thinking a lot about personally. And as I started to think about breast health and breast care, it really dawned on me the incredibly narrow focus of our cultural discussion around breasts where we will talk about breasts in this in the context of hypersexualization we'll talk about it when we talk about breastfeeding and often that comes with a bit of an uncomfortable or maybe even like a shaming like oh my god she breastfed in this place or whatever and then the third thing that seems like a place where we're talking about breasts is really around breast cancer So as I reflected on that, I thought to myself, there's got to be more than those three when it comes to our, uh, an important part of a lot of folks' bodies. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Even in natural health, I, I get frustrated because we haven't really, we don't, like you said, address things until they become a disease or, you know, and, oh shoot, that's too bad. Um, now we have to, to clean up this thing that's happened. Um, and yeah, I often get frustrated because it does feel like we go from zero to a hundred. We're either, you know, not thinking about our breasts at all, or we've got breast cancer and really nothing in between. And so that was a lot of the inspiration, um, for why we decided that we needed to address, um, some of these like complete blank spots, um, that people have, um, in their understanding and education of their own bodies. Yeah. And I think, you know, what is the statistic? One in eight women 
will get breast cancer. And I think we all know somebody who has had an aggressive form of breast cancer and it just feels, I just, I, I don't think it's appropriate to just wait for the diagnosis. So the fact that we're not taught breast care beyond just put a bra on it and call it a day (laughs) seems really, I just, I don't believe in it. So being a massage therapist, knowing like how important massage is and how important lymphatic movement is, it just seemed like there has to be something else here. Why isn't there more information around this? And you've started sharing workshops, in-person workshops here in Portland, Oregon to educate folks about this topic. And what was the catalyst for really launching that? Was it just seeing that people are really not getting the information they need to stay healthy in this way? I think personally, I, my grandma had breast cancer and had to have a double mastectomy. My aunt has had breast cancer twice. She's had treatments twice. Um, and just knowing that the statistics around it being inherited and just, again, waiting for that diagnosis, I just, I think, started amping up my own care And then recognizing that there's not a lot of women that know about this. There's not even a lot of women that know to even ask about this beyond, I feel a lump, I need to go to my doctor, or my milk has stopped coming in and I need to go see, you know, someone in the Leche League or, um, or, oh, wow, I don't have sensitivity in my nipples when, you know, my partner and I are engaging in, you know, any kind of sexual touch. There's just, that's it. So we have to be able to know our breast tissue more. I can really relate to this because I remember in my late twenties going to an herb shop and finding a breast oil there. And that was the first time I even heard of such a thing. I went home and used it just as like a, you know, I took a shower. Okay. Like I'm putting lotion here and then I'm just doing this special oil on my breasts. And it was honestly the first time that I was even paying attention to that part of my body. And at first I was like, is this shameful in some way? There was some kind of subconscious programming of, well, why would you touch your own breasts? Like that's so weird. Like even if it's not even a sexual way. And it was so liberating to realize like, okay, Okay, there's an oil, it's called breast oil, so it's probably supposed to go there. And it honestly, like I remember going back to that herb shop and telling the woman, I said, you have literally helped me heal my relationship with my breasts. I am a more curvy person. I have larger breasts and in our culture that can sometimes be a bit difficult. You get a lot of the attention you get and just whatever messaging we're getting and actually being able to like care for that part of my body myself on my own terms was truly very healing. But again, that this was in my late twenties, like how, and how many people haven't even stumbled upon that kind of herb shop, you know? I, I also like, um, <clears throat> can identify with that. I, um, I remember when I was, I think I was in sixth grade and I remember a friend of mine, um, a, 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 a guy, a man, um, he pulled me aside and he said, Hey, Kate, um, you're starting to develop boobs. Like you should probably start wearing a bra. And I was like, so embarrassed and shamed. Like I was just like, Oh no, you know, someone's noticing this. And I spoke to my mom about it and she's like, yeah, it's probably time to start wearing a bra. And so then I just remember starting to wear a bra and how confining it felt and how, 
I, I, I even had like nightmares about it. Like I would go to bed at night and like have nightmares about how constricted I felt in my chest. And it's just so funny that that was the only discussion. It was just like, yep, you're, you're old enough and you have, you know, larger breast tissue. So now we should cover it. And that's, that's all that there is. That's what's expected in society. And I still remember that, like some of the dreams that I have, they're so vivid, but, and I mean, that's a personal story, but, but also, you know, also having family who has died of breast cancer and, you know, lots of patients sharing like their frustrations around like feeling constricted in their diaphragm and chest and, um, yeah, just feeling frustrated about bras in general. And I think, both Mandy and I, um, just thought, well, shoot, we should do something about this. <laughs> but Mandy was really the one who came to me with it. And then, then we really like started rolling. So yeah, it, it's, it's got a lot of reasons why it exists, but I'm glad it's around. <laughs> me too. And that's something I really wanted to make sure to address is the topic of bras. And I was curious if to start, we could talk a little bit about breast tissue in general and what makes this area of our body special or unique. And I know there's like a lot of lymph stuff going on there too, which I'm sure you can tell us about. Why is that an area that we do want to be cautious and and take care of uh, in a certain way? Well, there's, um, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, there's kind of a lot of precious or different types of tissue in the chest, especially over breast tissue or underneath breast tissue. Um, and a lot of it falls under the umbrella of the circulatory system. So not just blood, um, but also the lymphatic system. And a lot of people really don't know a ton about lymph and how it moves, um, or what lymph actually is. Um, but, um, kind of starting back, like just with the circulatory system, if we think about the chest, I mean, we're really, the breasts are situated directly over the heart. And so some of the major arteries and veins that come out of and back into the heart are located kind of right in this area. And of course, um, all tissue in the body has some sort of blood supply to it. If it didn't have that blood supply, it would die. Um, so we think about just circulation in general and um, basically anything that's coming back um, to the center to be recirculated out. It's coming right into this area. But additionally, we have, um, we have a lot of um, lymph node beds throughout the body. Um, and nodes themselves are kind of these little like centimeter in size sort of organs. And what they do is filtrate out um, things that shouldn't be in the circulatory system. So what is in lymph is actually considered junk to the human body. It's waste um, from cells. It's dead cell parts. It's um, um toxic things that we might ingest or put onto our bodies or inhale. Um, so the body, it's a, it's a built-in filtration system. Um, we have other things that filtrate, but the lymph is just part of that filtration system. And one of the major places where we have lymph nodes, concentrated lymph nodes, I'm lifting up some, I'm lifting up my armpit for the listeners. Um, but we have, um, lymph node beds 
um, in our armpits, um, which are basically directly um, kind of drained. Um, the breast drains into these lymph node beds in the armpit. And so if you've ever had a breast exam, um, usually what they will do is um, not only palpate the breast itself to check for lumps and bumps and cysts and things like that, but they'll also have you kind of raise your arm over your head and turn to the side and then they'll palpate in your armpit as well to see if there's any enlarged lymph. And if a lymph node is doing its job, it actually should be enlarged. So you can probably kind of feel like underneath your, in your throat and you often will feel like, one lymph node is larger than the other, and they're they're just doing work. They're actually little um, white blood cells that live in the lymph nodes that are killing things that shouldn't be there, or tearing them apart, making them smaller, that, so that the body can um, deal with them and send them out either through the skin or through um, the digestive system. Um, lots of ways to, of course, eliminate waste, but. With all that being said, the bras um, or things that we just wear that are tight around the chest um, can impede the flow of lymph um, in our in our bodies, um, and a lot of the lymphatic vessels that we have in our bodies are pretty superficial. And so it doesn't take really that much weight or pressure over those areas um, to suppress the flow. Um, in fact, Mandy and I were in our workshop, we give out a nickel and we have people basically hold the nickel in the palm of their hand. And basically that's the kind of pressure that you use to kind of contact the lymphatic system to get to the lymphs, the lymphs, the lymphatic vessels. But, um, if you go any deeper than that, you can actually suppress the flow of lymph. Um, it's a very specialized kind of touch and there's actually a whole like, um, a type of massage that is based on the lymphatic system only. So it's very specialized. Um, and so that's why I always think like, Hey, have you ever worn a bra that squeezes you tighter than the mass of a nickel? Yeah. I mean, I have, um, a bra that leaves marks on your chest that that's going to do it. And so, um, when we're thinking about breast health, what we really want to encourage is, um, the flow of lymph and blood to our boobs. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of some of the anatomy and physiology that we feel like is really important for people to know. Thank you so much. And Mandy, do you have anything to add about that area as someone who works with so many different people's bodies and sort of knows what's going on with the average person? For sure. Um, you know, a lot of women with larger breasts, um, have pain in almost the exact same places. Um, not everybody's the same with their aches and pains, but, um, we all know that across the back, um, right in the middle, just under the shoulder blades is where a lot of women carry a lot of weight. And it's that anterior carriage, right? It's the carriage of your breasts and breast tissue. And the larger they are, the more kyphotic and rounded the shoulders will become. So you start to feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders, or I guess in this case, the weight of your titties on your shoulders. <laughs> so, um, again, you know, Kate was talking about like the red marks that your, your breasts or your bras will leave and they're on the tops of the shoulders. They're around the sides. So you have, um, breath restriction, um, a lot of times when people are stressed, which is so many of us, um, or 
just not thinking about breathing more globally into the lower lobes of the lungs, you're not exercising those muscles. You're not expanding the intercostals in between all the ribs. Again, that's stopping lymph flow because when muscle becomes hypertonic or ischemic because it's not receiving as much blood flow, when the um, muscles are tight, um, again, it's stopping lymph flow, it's stopping blood flow, so you're not getting as much oxygen to the tissues. Um, so I always, I always work into the pecs. I always work into the pecs. I always work um, just under the clavicle. So that collarbone, um, a lot of tension just starts to really build up there in a lot of people. And it's because of the lack of full inhale and exhale during breath. Um, and I work down the sides. It's just all these parts that need the dust blown off because we're restricted all day long. It really drives home how important this area is in our body and how for some of us it may have been It's kind of like the last thing we're thinking about in our, in our self-care practices for those folks who have periods, you know, we, we deal with our pelvic area every month, you know, regardless of whether we're wanting to or not. And yet we have this other area that could really benefit from some really specific care and, and love. And I'm curious with all this talk about bras, have you come across any bras that you would actually recommend for people? There's a local company that we really like. <clears throat> so here in Portland called Evelyn and Bobby or Evelyn Bobby. Um, and they have a specific bra called the Defy bra and it's no underwire and they look very much like, um, they're very fashionable, um, and they're made for most breast sizes. So small breasts, large breasts. Um, but again, no underwire, kind of a larger, um, strap. Um, so, you know, for, for people, um, having kind of wider straps, like is just more supportive, um, for the breasts themselves. Um, it doesn't, um, cause like extra strain, um, on the neck or other places where, some, um, some other bra companies have, um, the neckline placed. Um, yeah. And they're kind of like considered like a t-shirt bra. So they're, um, at least from what I can see, they're not like super lacy or anything. So they go under kind of anything and come in several colors, but I think the price point is around $60, but yeah, they're a local company we like a lot. Um, I personally also go to, the store on Alberta called the pencil test. Um, and they're really great for, um, women with larger breasts and they do fittings. And that's something we think is like really important in general is just to be sized correctly. Um, go in and find out, you know, like what your cup size is, what your, you know, diameter around size is, and then, you know, purchase bras that don't have any underwire, um, and I feel like bras are in general getting sexier, you know, that don't have underwire. People are learning, but um, not every not every company is ideal. But but I think there's a lot of companies that even some of the more popular ones that are coming out with, you know, no underwire even for for all shapes. Yeah. Um, do you have some other ones, Mandy? I think yeah. I mean, like as a card carrying member of the itty bitty titty committee. Um, <laughs> I really like Pepper. Um, Pepper, um, they specialize. It's online. I believe it's wearepepper.com. 
Um, but they specialize in um, cups like double A through B, I believe, which is it's it's so nice to have <laughs> a bra company that is targeted at women with smaller breast size. Um, I also really like any company that makes a really comfortable bralette. Um, I've had really good luck with, uh, free people and airy, which is, um, a part of American Eagle. Um, and they're, you know, local stores here. So you get to try them on, see how they feel. Um, and so the key here is to look for bras that don't have underwire. Is that accurate. And so the underwire in particular is very, it can be harmful to the tissue. Yeah. It, I mean, as we were saying before, like one of the, the big things that we worry about is impeding circulation, especially lymphatic circulation. And so, um, I would say definitely the underwire can do that. Um, but also just having an ill fitting bra, um, a lot of people will wear bras that are too tight, um, or, maybe, maybe even too big, but a lot of times it's like to push up or push in or hide or, you know, make the, the, the breasts like a a different shape than it actually is. So, um, I think like the key for me is again, like a no underwire and a bra that fits and straps that are wider. Those are great tips for anyone just when they're shopping and Shout out to the pencil test. I've been there and they're incredible and also such like a positive environment for like different body types. So I really appreciate that. I wanted to talk a little bit about nutrition and diet because I know that's something that you both both work with clients on to improve their overall health, but specifically breast health as well. Yeah, one of my um, big considerations um, with health in general is to be eating a diet that is really colorful. And um, a lot of, for a lot of people, I like to see people eating a lot of vitamin C, like sources of vitamin C. And this is specific for a lot of things, for immune health, for skin health, um, but particularly for breast health as well. Um, and so some really amazing high vitamin C foods are beets. I kind of have this strange like thing that I'm like hashtag beets every damn day because beets are just so great for the liver. They're great. Um, and they're great sources of vitamin C, which helps us absorb iron. Um, so I'm a big proponent of beets, um, cabbage, cauliflower, squash. Um, these are all really great breast foods. Um, there's been a lot of research to, um, around, um, more of like sort of the topical application of vitamin C and Mandy, I don't know if you want to say a little bit more about that, like just with products and things. Yeah. That you like. I'm a huge fan of, um, rosehip seed oil. Um, it's high in vitamin C, it's anti-inflammatory, it's incredibly moisturizing, um, and it's also really good for lymph movement. Um, it also blends really nicely with other oils. Um, a couple of other oils I really like to use on the skin in particular breast tissue is geranium, um, and anything with a high vitamin C content. So, um, lemon peel, um, wild orange is really amazing for breast tissue as well. Mm. And vitamin C, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on that. It really does help build collagen. And so kind of the, um, 
all the connective tissue in the body. So the things that give us sort of this plump young look, even in our face and, um, people are taking probably, um, your listeners know like lots of collagen and coffee and it's like kind of a big trend right now. Um, but, um, vitamin C is one of the major building blocks for collagen, which is, um, um, very abundant in the breast as well. That's great to know. Thank you. I also want to make sure to touch on breast massage and things that people can do for their own bodies. What tips and resources would you recommend for folks who are listening? Yeah, so um, there are practitioners that specialize in breast massage. So, you know, making sure that you feel comfortable and safe with someone first and foremost. And then also being able to, like, just be willing to, like, fill yourself up. <laughs> like, just every night it can be something that you do. Um, I keep oils by my bedside and right before I lay down, I just put them in my hands and I start, um, again, I, my base is always rose hip oil. Um, and I'll just blend in whatever I have next to me. If it's lavender, great. If it's orange, fantastic. Um, so, you know, light pressure, you don't have to use really deep pressure. This isn't a deep tissue massage. The goal is not like muscular work. The goal is just nourishing your breast tissue. Um, so I like to suggest circles. Um, start at the armpit, and you can even start with like a light pumping motion just to kind of activate that catchment site of um, the lymphatic tissue. Um, it's a big, that auxiliary armpit area is a huge catchment site. It has several lymph nodes there. So a light pumping motion, start there. And then the flow is you kind of want to bring it towards your sternum. So you're you're going around in small circles. You can even do just like light um, pressure all the way around um, and just work all the way into the nipple. Um, and it can last anywhere from five minutes to 10 minutes. If it feels great, keep doing it. Um, and then just start to explore, like, what does it feel like underneath your collarbone? What, you know, do you need a little more work on the side? Um, how does it feel over your sternum, you know, your heart space? It's pretty easy. <laughs> it's, it's really easy. It's just, it, we don't talk about it, again, beyond medical touch. So we just think like, pat, 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 okay, no lumps, fantastic. Yeah, like either medical touch or sexual touch, but there's other ways to engage with our bodies. And part of it may just be the permission to be like, you can do this. I know you've also mentioned deodorants as something that people should be aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that catchment site of lymph nodes is right by breast tissue. And, you know, you're, Kate was talking about breast tissue and there are um, receptor sites throughout breast tissue and there are estrogen receptor sites. And they'll, they'll recognize different kinds of estrogen and store it. So you've got your xenoestrogens, um, your metalloestrogens, and within a lot of commercial deodorants are some not so great things. So when you're smearing that sludge on your pits, it's, <laughs> it's going to be stored in your breast tissue. It's going to just hang there. So when you think about what is in commercial deodorant and especially antiperspirants probably heard there's aluminum in these. And what that does is it actually irritates your sweat glands and the ducts to swell so that it's preventing you from sweating. Um, I remember I had been wearing 
antiperspirant when I first started in massage and mostly so that I wasn't like glazing over someone's face with my BO, but I also didn't want to feel like damp and I didn't know any other way to prevent that. So obviously I'm going to use what I'm taught to use. Um, and I started noticing on some of my lighter clothes, this weird pink stain is the cheese standalone here. <laughs> anyway, what I found out that it is, is the aluminum in the deodorants staining my clothes. And so I started looking into other options because I can't just be smearing patchouli on myself because a lot of people hate the smell of patchouli. <laughs> so I had to find something and it was a ton of trial and error. It was a lot of things that did nothing. It smelled nice for the first like hour that I had it on. But as soon as I started working, like I just started to notice it wasn't doing anything and I still smelled. Again, diet, it went back to diet, how much water I was drinking and finding something that I really, really liked. Um, I really love the company Little Seed Co. Um, they're out of Tennessee and they make a wonderful deodorant. And there's also a lot of baking soda-free options. A lot of times companies will, in, with natural deodorants, they'll put baking soda in to help with um, just keeping you dry. And that can be really irritating on a lot of people. Um, Kate, do you want to speak on what's those options? Yeah, there's um, Schmitz, um, the Schmitz deodorant, which is maybe more one that's more people know about, I think. And they have a jasmine tea sensitive skin formula. Um, so that's not all of their products are baking soda free, but that one is in particular. Um, let's see. Mega babe. Mega babe. Also have a magnesium based one. And that's another option. Um, if baking soda is irritating. Yeah. Oh, I think that is that is the magnesium one. They're oh. the Schmitz jasmine tea. I'm just looking at my notes and yeah, it's that that one. Um, Mega Babe Rosy Pits. Um, they have like a really nice like rose scent, um, but don't have the baking soda as well. So those are the two that we were highlighting. So for people who may want to go check out what deodorant they're using and then perhaps switch what we're looking for is an ingredient. And will they say it usually on the label that says aluminum? It will say aluminum. Um, if there are ways to hide that, yeah, I mean, that would just be worth looking up. Like yeah. what clever ways have they come up with to disguise aluminum in your deodorant? Yeah. But probably most health food stores or co-ops have deodorants that have more alternative ingredients that people could try out. Yeah. And you know, the internet's wonderful. You can make your own deodorant. You know, we're lucky in Portland. We are close to herb shops and um, we have access to a lot of people in the know, right? So I think the internet is super helpful for people that aren't so close to those resources. Well, another thing that I've found to be super beneficial when I was having a little health crisis with my own breasts is a friend of mine who's an herbalist recommended poke root oil. And I wondered if you've all worked with that and yeah, what you'd have to say about that medicine. I am a huge proponent of poke root. Some of the 
some of the folklore around poke root is that it's called a lymphagogue, which just means like a lymph mover. Um, and so some of the old herbalists, like turn of the century herbalists would use it over swollen glands. Um, they also call it like an anti-catarrhal and catar is just gunk. It's just thick mucousy secretions. And so, um, when people had like swollen, um, salivary glands, swollen, um, lymph nodes, um, anything like swollen tonsils, laryngitis, um, enlarged glands of any kind, um, mumps, um, when people would get mumps, they would use poke root topically. If you use it internally, they actually, um, in higher amounts can be quite toxic. So we don't really recommend that people take it internally unless they're working with an herbalist. Um, but you can find poke root, um, in a lot of just like local herb shops or online very easily. And, um, um, it is in addition to being great for diseases of the upper respiratory tract. Um, it's great for all the little lumpy bumpies that you might experience in your breasts as well. Um, and so, yes, we've, um, used it, um, as part of some formulas for, um, um, for breast self breast massage and breast health in general. Yeah. I've had a personal experience with that plant as well, as I mentioned, and it, it really, really helped heal a lump that I had and, um, within, even days of massaging it uh, three times a day uh, went down and was no longer painful. So uh, as you mentioned, lumps and bumps, I want to also reassure our listeners that, you know, if you are getting acquainted with your breasts, knowing also that the breasts do have different like tissues and lumps and bumps, not everything would be like a, a cancer, for example. So I wondered if we could chat a little bit about that because I know I've had things that have like felt like a lump and went away and hurt, like irritating and then it went away and all that kind of thing. So, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That can be a really scary thing if you all of a sudden notice it. Um, as Mandy was mentioning, um, there's a lot of estrogen based receptors in breast tissue. You'll sometimes hear like when people talk about cancer, um, that it's a, um, breast cancer cancer, that it's an estrogen, um, estrogen dominant breast cancer. Um, and, um, you may also notice, um, that, uh, if you get, um, enlarged breasts or fibrous tissue or those lumps and bumps, it, it might correlate with your menstrual cycle. Um, so a lot of people do notice, um, probably about at ovulation or even at about, um, day 23 to 25 of your menstrual cycle, you might start to notice that you feel more lumps and bumps in the breast. And it's just because the breast is responding to hormonal shifts. Um, estrogen tends to spike at, um, ovulation. It spikes a little bit earlier and then also at ovulation. Um, but, um, our breasts do respond to that. And so, um, you may also notice that after you have your period that those, um, the sore, the soreness of the breast or even some of these lumps and bumps might go away. And it's just because again, it's responding to some of the fluctuations. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of like the idea of, um, what Mandy's talking about, just like at night going to bed and having a ritual of touching yourself and being really familiar with 
the shifts that your body goes through, um, because, you know, we're going through these little cycles every month and, um, we have lots of clues about where we're at, um, even without knowing maybe the exact day that we're on. Um, and so if you're really familiar every day with having just that ritual of five to 10 minutes of touching these areas, you're going to notice slight shifts. Um, and, and, um, you know, be able to detect, you know, pathology or things that, that might seem off or not, or different from your norm. So I, I really like that idea of, of a ritual. And, um, you know, a lot of people are taught about how to do, um, like a, um, an examination, self breast examination once a month. Um, but why not do it more often? You know, why not, check out these areas and just know them well. Like we know other, you know, the moles on our face or, you know, what our thighs look like. Um, we're always obsessing about those things. Um, and how about we use it in a good way? (laughs) I remember the first time I went to, um, the gynecologist and she gave me like this little take home thing to hang in my shower and it was a breast exam. And I remember being like, Oh, okay. So I'm, going through it. I'm like, well, it all feels lumpy. What's like, what are the bad lumps? I don't (laughs) like, it was, it was aggravating. And so like Kate was saying, like, once you start to realize, like you, once you start to become familiar with the map of your own breast tissue, and then you start to get in touch with, oh gosh, I'm four days before my cycle. This is usually when my breasts start to get really tender. Then you start lining up with your cycle even more. So you're introduced to the way your body is responding to, it's just, it's natural processes. Um, And like Kate said, the minute you notice something isn't right, I mean, you've detected it. You're, it's, you notice it's not something that's supposed to be there. It's not lining up with your cycles. You'll go to the doctor. Um, so again, it's just about having that familiarity and recognizing, you know, what your breast tissue feels like throughout the month. And when something doesn't feel so great, I really like the reframing of more of like a self breast massage, as opposed to like this self breast exam, because I know that I've been told for many years of my life, like you need to be doing a self breast exam. And I'm like, that just sounds so clinical. And I just, it just scares me. And so I just don't do it at all. But if it's just a pleasant, like, let's take care of myself and have touch in a loving way, then it just feels so much easier to actually get familiar with that part of my body. Yeah. And you appreciate it more too, right? You just start to, you just start to love your body more. Yeah. I mean, they go through a lot, especially our breasts. Like there's just so, there's so much messaging. There's so much media and they just, yeah, they need a little love. Is there anything else that you found in your work that you think is important for people to know or any, you know, misconceptions? You know, we had a, we had a member at one of our workshops that was talking about, you know, well, that's, you know, what's great is that some women don't have to wear a bra, but, you know, she mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm in a professional atmosphere. I have to wear a bra. And that kind of dives into that whole stigma of, are you wearing a bra because you want to feel comfortable or are you wearing a bra because you want other people to feel comfortable? Um, you know, Kate and I both work in professional atmospheres and again, we are, we have very different breast sizes, so I can get away with not wearing a bra. Kate has to make different decisions. Um, 
and I again, it's just wrapped around the sexualization of breast tissue. Um, are your nipples showing? Because obviously, that's because you want to grab attention to your breasts. Um, and we know that's not the case. It's just being aware of that and knowing how to feel comfortable and still take care of your body and not worry about what other people are thinking. But also knowing, again, how do you select a bra that makes you feel comfortable and um, protects your modesty when you need to? I agree. I um, that's, that's something that stuck out to me in our most recent, recent workshop is um, there were several people there who were kind of on the other end who had said like, Hey, I gave up wearing a bra three years ago completely. And that was, that was also something that was really freeing to me um, as a person who has always felt very confined by wearing a bra um, or even sometimes, um, ashamed of my breasts. Um, and I know that kind of comes from having grown up in like a really modest Midwest family and those kinds of things. But, um, it's, it's teaching us too. I think, um, this whole process, I, I was telling Mandy before we started, like I have only been wearing, you know, the bras that we talked about, um, since our workshop and, um, it's made a huge difference. And, how I feel and how I feel around my heart. I just feel more open emotionally than physically. Um, so I guess I would say, um, those are the things that have been big take homes from me as a person, just, you know, researching and participating in this. And, you know, I think that we'll continue to learn better tools, um, to, um, advise people, but yeah, just kind of, inviting people to explore a little bit more, um, dive a little bit deeper into like your daily self-care practice and, you know, give yourself permission to, to learn about these areas and, and, um, and be curious instead of just feeling like this is kind of an area that, that we overlook or, you know, we only tend to when a problem comes up. The other person, um, there's a really good resource. Her name is Nadine Artemis. And um, I want it, she owns a company called Living Libations, but she wrote an amazing book called um, Renegade Beauty. And there is an entire chapter there on breast care. Um, she's a huge advocate of lymphatic massage. So um, dry brushing is a technique that we teach in our classes because just, again, just getting the lymph moving. I do it every morning with a dry brush and there's, you know, different ways to do that, but you can use poke root, um, sesame oil is also a really good lymph mover, but I found Nadine Artemis to be an incredible resource and she is just a tome of information. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate this discussion and I hope that all of us, including our listeners can continue to explore this and you know, collectively start to really examine some of the reasons why we do things the way that we do, like feel, oh my God, I have to wear a bra all the time, even at home. I even had a friend in junior high, I remember we went to summer camp and she was wearing a bra to bed because she just felt like she had to. And so those are the kinds of things that we can start to question and think about what actually feels healthier, what feels comfortable. 
So thank you so much for that discussion. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And where can we find you both online for those who want to learn more about your work and potentially engage with some of the amazing workshop work that you're doing as well? I'm most active on Instagram and mine is um, just at Dr. Kate Sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y, where we'll be kind of advertising. Mandy and I plan to do several more breast workshop seminars um, throughout the year here in Portland. And so that's where we'll have that information. And I'm at um, Earth Over Air. Um, I have an office in Northwest Portland and um, my Instagram is also Earth Over Air. Wonderful. Thank you so much to both of you for being on the show and sharing this very important information. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. You can hear this month's lunar forecast and other episodes on moontent.co or subscribe to the Moonwise podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. You can also find us newly on Spotify, so just search Moonwise within Spotify. You can also leave a comment on the Moonwise Sisterhood group in Facebook. Our theme music is by Sophie Cooper from her album, Rewilding. She's sharing brand new offerings over at voicealchemy.com, so go check out her work there. See you next time.